Blog all to the people, all power to the people. All to the people, all power to the people. This is the People Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. Our national chairman is Brother Yangley Nkrumah, National Director of Operations, Sister Seven Khadija, and I'm the National Chief of Staff, Brother War. And you're listening to the Mirror's Eye, Reflected Empirical Contradictions and Perceptions on Advanced Agenda. The show is co-hosted today by Brother E and Brother Sight. They have vast contributions and material resources and experience in the correct approach as it applies to Black Panther ideology. If you need to call in, the guest call-in number is 323-870-4191. Today we're dealing with the weaponization of economics, the falsehoods of in, and the falsehoods of individual liberties. And I want to start by going into social engineering. And I've talked about this in the past, but it's something that we need to constantly hit at in order to wake our people up. So social engineering, the manipulation of the social position and the function of individuals in order to manage and create a desired society. Social engineering is also the methodology for constructing community cities and governments at the highest scale of orders and architecting the grand designs and maintaining world balance is uh, basically calibrated in global population and resource control. Social engineering, the analysis and the automation of a society requires the co- correlation of great amounts of consistently changing economic information, which is considered data. So a high-speed computerized data processing algorithm is necessary, which would address predictive social patterns and tackle the oversight needed to handle large-scale network traffic feeds and assist with trend control. There is a major break in this field uh, that goes back to 2010 regarding machine learning called DeepMind. And I really think it's urgent that y'all do some research on this. One of, uh, one of the websites to go to is called just DeepMind.com, and it will give you an introduction into the concept of machine learning, artificial intelligence, and how this comes together to develop software that actually thinks for itself and writes its own code. Now, one of the social engineered psychological weapons of mass control is rendered in human populations um, the cattle range of mentality. This is subconscious behavior trait inherent in being conditioned to servitude and taught uh, in regards to being inferior. A description of cattle range and trait is as such. A domesticated mind tends to not travel outside the range of the pre-laid crumb trails for access to better resources. And this is why we're getting into this as it applies to economics. As it applies to the economic victim, its home and recognition of the oppressed condition, no matter how harsh, tends to lead to a habitual practice of acceptance. Therefore, anything foreign to the improvised condition way of life is feared and rationalized away. This is basically the conditions that we are dealing with as African people, as well as population control in general, so that the elite can maintain the grips that they have on a society. So number five on our platform is we want education for our people that exposes the true nature of this decadent American society. We want education that teaches us our true history and our role in present-day society. Knowing this, it is super important that we get a grip and have an, an idea and an overview of what we are dealing with as it applies to this economics. And so, therefore, we break down the weaponization of economics and the falsehood of individual liberties, and it operates as such. In the interest of world order, the raging of a quiet war mass population with an ultimate objective of permanently shifting the natural and social energy, which is wealth, of the undisciplined, irresponsible many into the hands of the referred to as self-disciplined, responsible, and worthy few, which is the conductor. In order to implement this condition, it was necessary to create a secure and apply a new weapon, which were a class of weapons so subtle and so sophisticated in their principle and operation and public appearance as to learn, I'm sorry, to earn themselves the name of silent weapons. The objective of, of weaponized 
economics as conducted by the holders of capital, which is banking, and the industries of commodities, goods, and services is to establish the establishment of an economy which is totally predictable and manipulable through universal systems of calculation, a.k.a. currents, equations, symbols, and math. In order to achieve a total predictable economy, the low-class element of society must be brought under total control, housebroken, trained, assigned a yoke of long-term social duties from a very early age. Childhood board games like Monopoly will reinforce the aspects of control and make it an acceptable condition for those on both sides of the table. In order to achieve such conformity, the lower caste flat, I'm sorry, the lower class family unit must be disintegrated by a process of consuming time. The recognition and value of time will be avoided, and holistically critically, uh, I'm sorry, holistically critical thinking will be removed and replaced with compartment specialization. This will ensure a grand preoccupation of the parents and the establishment of government-operated daycare centers for the operational orphan children, a.k.a. schooling. This is what we're dealing with, people, in terms of the way schooling is taught to us on a grand scale. The quality of the education given to the lower class must match that of the servitude and provide inferior thought reform, which is also referred to as brainwashing, conditioning by another name, so that the most of the ignorance isolating the lower class from the superior class is and remains incomprehensible to the and our hope of extracting themselves from the assigned lot in life due to the disciplined will required to grow mental dexterity and focus needed to program a direct path in life that should be uh, formed at an early age. Most people can position themselves later in life to take on the challenge, even if handed the keys. This form of slavery or mental domination is essential to maintaining some measure of social order, peace, and tranquility for the ruling upper class, as it allows free movement of the elite and places the uh, uh, I'm sorry the at large within mental mental no roam zones. This no roam is played out not only physically, but the trifact is always the case meaning physically, mentally, and spiritually in regards to the masses not having the desired willpower to grow in critical aptitude to be psychologically capable of holding a place in handling digits of resources in amounts of millions or billions. As I have often stated, it is not the knowledge of this plan that makes it a great weapon, but the vast application in which it is deployed that holds the power to render it beyond the reach to most. My brothers and sisters, the Illuminati, as it is referred to by the uninitiated, lives through a complex design simply because it is a structured way of life from birth to death. Nothing is left by chance. Therefore, the power of choice is the illusion used to trap the rest of, the, of us in an efficient cycle of what's referred to as time traps. These Olympic virtues are are also why selected gestures or gesture types are often the way individuals break into wealth, which is the resource pool for the elite. Now, in saying this, I want to turn it over to Brother E to elaborate even further into the concepts of what we're dealing with as it applies to the weaponization of economics. Uh, first, I, just a couple of definitions I wanted to uh, just kind of touch on um, that we uh, that we used last week or in the last session. Um, the first one was is, is money. I just kind of really want to emphasize uh, to people the difference and make sure that there's some clarity there because through some conversations and, and debating and whatnot, um, it was it was the idea uh, was shown to need, to need to be a little bit more honed. Um, so if you think of currency versus money, um, currency is a tangible that you can hold, a piece of paper, a coin, um, even a gold coin. Money is the intangible. It's the value. 
Um, that's the biggest difference. Money can be currency. You can have a gold coin, but currency, the paper itself, will never be money because money is the value. Uh, if you think in terms of gold, um, most people buy gold for the sake of having gold. It has an intrinsic value. People want the gold. Uh, very few people have dollar bills at the house just to have dollar bills. Typically, that money gets is gotten and used for the specific reason of being used. It's, it's, it's taken in order to be given away. Um, but what I really wanted to build on was uh, kind of building on what uh, War was getting at. And it's really some of the applications of these algorithms and things that we hear about sometimes with Google and Facebook and, and all of these things. Um, and just a, a, I guess a brief, broad, real easy definition. Um, algorithm is just uh, a string of math prop uh, of, of math uh, plus minus divide all of that put together and in a computer script so that the computer does uh, uh, executes those uh, equations back just before the 2012 uh, midterm um, elections um, it was Obama and the, the second time he was running it all um, Facebook and some, some other guys with money and, and the government and obviously uh, came up with the idea that they wanted to figure out if they could influence real-world actions by using computer, by using an online presence. And so what they did is decide to use Facebook and its users, or probably a better phrase is used, uh, because hopefully we'll start to see that though we're on here making use of things like Facebook and Google, we're actually not the ones who are using it. We're the ones that are being used. So Facebook did was uh, begin to put out uh, um, various posts, news items and whatnot to attempt to sway and affect people's voting habits during that election between back between Obama and uh, I believe it was Mitt Romney. Uh, during that time. Um, and over a course of time, they were able to um, figure out at least two things. Um, it, was, it was victorious. They were able to, to, to come up with the, the real concrete evidence that they were able to, um, um, they can spread a contagion, so to speak, uh, an idea or thought, uh, a political idea, uh, uh, an economic idea um, um, online that will actually affect the real world because there were um, notable uh, effects within that election process that they were able to document. They also celebrated probably the even biggest celebration was the fact that it could be done while the, the user or the used is completely unaware that it was being done. And I kind of let that sneak in for a second. Facebook has acknowledged in scientific journals that it has run experiments on the people that are on there. If you're using it, and I'm not knocking it, I don't have it, but if you have it, it's your thing. But just understand that at any point in time, because you signed up on the, the, the agreement, you've signed up to be a lab rat. Your emotions, which is one of the, uh, the, uh, the experiment that, it got, that Facebook uh, got into, after the, the 2012, the election, that was their first one. The second one was more based on could they do the same thing using posts and, and, and news lines and news feeds, feeding it into various uh, people's uh, feeds. Could it affect their emotional state? And they did. So just understand that you sign up. When you sign that, when you log in and you create an account, you are agreeing to be a lab rat. Um, and keep that in mind as you think about this. When you, the first time you use Google to search anything, the very first time, if you can remember that far back, I know I can't, but if you remember back the very first time you used a, a, a Google, not even sign up for an account, not create a profile, not, you know, upload your picture and get a Gmail and all of that, just Google taco meat, whatever, bean pie, how to make a bean pie, you know, and Google, you began having they they began building a profile on you and again not age gender those are basics those are easy of course they're going to get it but this list and it's not an exhaustive list this is just what it is we've been able to find out 
and it's long. So there's a lot more that they're actually collecting and keeping in your profile that you know nothing about, yet they know all of this about you. And remember, Facebook's been experimenting on you, and this is the type of information because they all share it, and they all share the algorithms and share engineers. So Google, you have a profile, whether you signed up or not. It includes your age, your income, your gender, your parental status, your relationship status, your browsing history, your device. That is, if you're using a phone, a tablet, a desktop, laptop, your TV, your physical location, the age of your children, how well you did in high school, what degree you hold, the time of day you use Google, the language you speak, whether you've just had a major life event, like got married, had a child, got a new job, uh, your home ownership status, your mobile carrier the exact words you enter into Google, the uh, context of topics you, uh, of the websites that you visit, what types of websites you go to, what things you buy online, the products you've almost bought online, what type of Wi-Fi you use, your uh, proximity or your location, your closeness to a cell phone tower and which cell phone, cell phone tower, your app installation history, the amount of time you uh, spend on those apps, your operating system on your phone or your laptop or whatever, the contents of your emails, the time you spend on certain websites, whether you're moving into a new home or whether you're sitting in a car or you're walking or you're riding a train, all of these things and much more are logged and, again, are being used by not just Facebook but others. There's a company called AdWords, which is basically a big advertising warehouse that when you click on uh, an advertisement or whatever, that information is stored there forever. Google Facebook, all of these companies, you've heard of the Google Cloud, all of this information is stored forever, the contents of your emails. This is what they've acknowledged. This is what they're telling you. They're taking your information, and they use this information because, as I know, most people by now hopefully have noticed that if you Google something on your laptop at home, maybe when you go to answer or look up something on your, your phone uh, later on, an ad for that exact same thing or same type of thing pops up on your phone. And that's by design, because just like the Facebook uh, experiment has shown, they're able to manipulate and get you to do this or do that. They can change your emotions. They can affect your emotions. They can uh, um, um, decide when you want to buy and when you don't want to buy. Uh, there are apps that talk between, if you have a smart TV, that will talk between your, uh, your, your TV and your phone so that they can connect that. So now that they're, they're watching that, and it can be used and manipulated to get you to buy this way or buy that way. So no longer uh, is it a situation where the things that we do, the, the products that we produce, uh, it's a matter of us being the product. Imagine it, uh, whether you're in favor of unions or not, is irrelevant for this uh, uh, example. But being able to go into your job, and to uh, leverage or, or some type of, 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 of power to get better situation. Uh, being able to go to a Walmart and demand that they have certain products or get rid of certain products, these abilities are taken away when you are the product because whether you're in a union, whether you have a job, whether you don't have a job, you're still going to have behavior, and that's what the new economy is, what you do day to day all day, every day, when you're sleeping, when you're awake, everything is being monetized. Everything you do is being monetized. Facebook is also in the process, and several other companies are developing, uh, uh, well, they've already developed it, but now they're fine-tuning it, uh, the ability to, to read thoughts, to interpret those thoughts. So our very minds literally uh, are, are the new product. They're the new thing, that, the commodity that's being bought and sold uh, uh, within this economy. And so it's very important that we're aware of those things and um, are able to make uh, aware decisions. It's one thing if you don't know that Facebook is using you. And I know most of us in our personal relationships don't want to be used, but for whatever reason, we've gotten to the point where it seems, and maybe we just don't know, but some of us now know that we are being used. So if we uh, continue to use things like Facebook, it's with the full awareness that we are being used. Um, I want to uh, give myself a little bit of a rest here and, and turn it over to um, uh, who's taking it, Brother Syke uh, at this point. Um, I think he's going to talk a little bit more about applications of, of, of economics and, and um, um, concepts in, in one's life. 
Peace. Well, my contribution to this conversation is uh, my contribution to this conversation is the application of of economics in your daily life. The brothers just explained the weaponization of economics, and the brothers just explained how they take your personal information and market it to you. I think that that is extremely important to understand how economics works. We understand that the definition of economics is the study of how people make decisions and use resources. So if you understand that, then it becomes important for us to start studying those decision-making and make decisions based on what's practical and what's pragmatic. Example, uh, well, Brother E talked about money. He talked about the difference between currency and money. Now, one of the things that we understand about uh, currency is this, and this is one thing we need to understand if we don't understand it, that, that currency has two ways of being measured. It has a face value and it has a real value. The face value of a dollar bill is a dollar. It'll always be a dollar, no matter where you at, no matter if it's right now or 10 years from now. Now, the real value of currency is in the power of its, its purchasing power. Example, uh, 2001, I could go get me a gallon of gas for 99 cents. Right now, a gallon of gas pretty much cost me in Texas $2.50. So, what happened to my money? My purchasing power of my money changed while the face value of my money never changed. The face value of my money says that that uh, 2001, I can go take $10 and get 10 gallons of gas. Right now, the same exact $10 could only buy me four gallons of gas. So that means my $10 is not worth $10 anymore. Once you start understanding that, then it gives you, uh, uh, it gives you uh, a tool or a resource to make better decisions from. Do you take $10? of today's money and put it in a in a shoebox and let it sit for 10 years and think that you're going to go back to that shoebox, pull that $10 out and still have $10? Or do you take the example I just used and recognize that you no longer have $10 of purchasing power of yesterday's money in today's time? This is where those wise decisions come in. Or another principle of economics that, that's very important for our decision-making is to understand the fact that we always face trade-offs that you only have limited time and you only have limited currency and limited resources. So whenever you make a decision to do one thing, you have made a corresponding decision not to do something else. Whenever I made a decision to participate in this broadcast, I've made a, a corresponding decision not to be doing something else because I cannot be in two places at one time. The, the average person doesn't think about these things when they make their decision, when they make their purchases, when they are uh, <clears throat> when they're spending their money. But these are important things to consider when you're spending your money because the price of a thing is not just the uh, the cost of it in, 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 its, uh, in its dollars and cents, but it's also what you're giving up to get it. It's also what you what you at the same time are not being able to get. If you go buy something for $2.50, you also made a decision not to buy another gallon of gas. So these are the things that the, that the average people need to consider when they're making these economic decisions. Brother E talked about uh, Facebook and how they use your uh, information to market to you, and I think that, that that becomes important. But that that shouldn't be a shock because that's what this society is based on. This is a this is a society based off the profit motive. It always has been. When the quote unquote so called uh, uh, pilgrims first came over here, they weren't looking for religious freedom. They weren't coming here looking to be free and trying to find a place where they can freely practice their religion. People were looking for profits. The so-called New World offered an opportunity to make profits, and they had to eliminate human beings and, 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 in order to create the position and the situation to make those profits. They marketed to the, to the overall person in Europe that they were dealing with a bunch of savages that needed to be conquered, and, and they used the concept of religion as the, re, as the thing that they were conquering and, and uh civilized these savages with, but it was all about money. It was all about getting land. It was all about getting gold. It was all about creating and producing profit. So that's one thing we have to always understand. Hugh C. Lee once said, and and I love this uh <clears throat> I love this statement that he made that we have to understand that the uh that Americans operates off the profit motive. And if you understand that, then you understand that America oppresses you not necessarily just because you're black, but because it's profitable. If you want them to stop oppressing you, then what you have to do is make it non-profitable. Whenever you're dealing with economics, you have to always have an economic consequence. So you have to make your oppression non-profitable. 
I want to say one thing to um, address what Brother Syke is saying in order to give you a, 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 another idea, another spin on what's going on. When he's talking about how economics is applied here, keep in mind, when a silent weapon is applied gradually, the public adjusts, adapts to its presence, and learns to tolerate its encroachment upon their lives into the pressure psychological uh, VA economic becomes too great, and they crack up, which is also sourced as an injection condition of PTSD. That's what we have to understand as, as well as it applies to us, because as African people here, and in, in, especially within the United States and surrounding areas, as it applied to the Maasa, re- remember that we were basically um, kidnapped. We were enslaved, brought over here, and stripped of our culture and utilized as a means of capital. Since we utilize as an economic means of capital, this caused us to not be able to see, oversee, and have a basic ingrained a- aspect of what resource building is about, which is what we're basically getting at at this point. Therefore, the silent weapon is a type of biolo- biological war- warfare. It attacks the validity, the vision of choice, options, and mobility of the individual of a social of a society by knowing, understanding, manipulating, and attacking their source of natural and social energy and their physical, mental, and emotional strengths and weaknesses. This is the power within what's going on, people. So I urge everyone to study the concept of epigenics. Why I would say that is because even though we're talking about things from the standpoint of economics, we also have to keep in mind that just because one weapon is 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 used in terms of currency. It applies across the board with the trifactor. Again, let me let me go into what trifactor is. It is the physical, mental, or spiritual apparatus that makes up the holistic being. When you want to employ a proper weapon, and that affects generational advancement or creates a generational destruction in the people, you want to make sure you will you will hit it from all areas, all three areas. This is why within the People's Black Panther Party, we have a structure that was founded by Brother Sykes that deals with what's referred to as mechanisms. So the mechanisms actually go into a holistic, holistic way or an approach to organizing. That holistic way and approach to organizing helps, helps us deal with the offset of the destructive path that has been laid before us. And one of the things and conditions that we're suffering from as it applies to this is not being able to recognize the, the weaponization of anything. So today we're going into the concept of the weaponization of economics. And the reason for doing that is to give you that exposure, give you that ability to recognize how you have been stripped of your choice. By not understanding or overstanding the concept between choice, options, and decisions, we go into situations and battles with not even realizing we're playing a game, not even realizing that we're being pawns. And even when we do have some sense of knowing that we're pawns, we still pursue the board game the way it was laid out. And then by doing, it, by doing such, no matter whether you go left, right, up, or down, the end result is always the same. You have not set your course or path. You have not created a, a, a position of self-determination. You have basically allowed yourself to be a conducive use of being domesticated being, being a domesticated cattle, which is why I referred to back earlier when we talked about cattle ranging. Since you are being that experiment, since you are being that driving force that's still being utilized as that labor body, whether you, we're talking about the, uh, the uh, old day plantation or the new day plantation, which at this point in the game, we are being used as the consumer base. So African, the African-American role at this point in the name of the game is about being the consumer. So there's these products, these concepts, these goods, this, 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 uh, this world power can continue to churn out and cause us to expand our, our labor in the terms of from, from an economic standpoint back into the hands of the, of the wealthy. And also, not only what does, it, does it do that, but again, it serves that whole trifactor sector because as soon as you give them your money, you are basically giving over to them your resources. And by giving them your resources, they are getting greater. They are getting more enhanced. They are becoming, again, powerful. And what it is doing, it is blood-sucking your ability to be a visionary and in control of your own power, your own way of life. Again, this is the People's Black Panther Party. 
if if you want to call in to the, and, and and join in on the discussion, the phone number is three two three eight seven zero four one nine one. So let me hand this over to Brother E to jump in. I think I'm in error, and I take uh, uh, complete responsibility for uh, falling short of my historic responsibilities, my usual responsibilities when the three of us are dealing with one another. And what I meant to say, what I should have said was about Agani. Okay, so so it. I don't think anybody really planned this with a lot of foresight, but it just seems very divine on point on time, however you want to describe it, that we're discussing this on the fourth night of of Kwanzaa. Um and to kind of to some of the point that, that war was, was was expressing and you know, it well what we've all expressed um and being conscious of, of what it is we're doing. Um I think though the technically the, the the principle is cooperative economics and we think buy black, you know, shop black, avoid other certain stores, you know, usual. But I think there's more to it than that in being conscious and aware of what we're doing. Um, and to just kind of drive the point home of how we're not. Forbes has a list of the richest people in the world. At their point, at this point, they're all well above a billion dollars. And I wanted to just kind of read off a few of the names and see in, in the companies and see how many of them we recognize and can point and say, yes, the black community has been very instrumental in making these people billionaires while not bringing anything home to ourselves and keeping in mind that we're billionaire makers. This is what we do. Um, and though he's the poorest brother on the list or poorest example on this list, He's still a billionaire nonetheless, and that's Michael Jordan through his, you know, career, through his endorsements and all the other things that he's done. Um, Armani, Giorgio Armani, Armani Clothing, we like our fashion. Um, Mars Candy, black folks love our sweets. Uh, the Jacqueline Mars, as well as John Mars, uh, the, he's the CEO of Mars Corporation. Mars makes a lot of different candies, and we know how much candy is, is goes into matter of fact candy rotates in the in the black neighborhood more than the dollar rotates in the black neighborhood. Um Phil Knight, the CEO of Nike, definitely, absolutely was made by black folk. He put made made you know, made in the hood on his forehead. Um, um Steve Ballmer, the owner of the LA Clippers. Rob Walton, the uh, uh, director of Walmart, as well as one of his daughters. In fact, the whole Walmart family. I know we all shop at Walmart. We all put a lot of, a lot of money into Walmart. Uh, Betancourt, uh, the head of uh, L'Oreal. Um, Sergey Brin and, and Larry Page, uh, two CEOs from Alphabet, uh, a.k.a. Google. Uh, Zuckerberg, you know, we talk so much about Facebook. Facebook has made Zuckerberg a billionaire. Uh, uh, we've made him a billionaire by being his lab rat, billions of dollars. Um, Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, obviously, Amazon, um, and I know we're using Amazon more and more, but my favorite on this list is Bernard Arnault. He is the chairman of the company responsible for Moet, Hennessy, and Louis Vuitton. Now, you can't get much blacker than that. I'm not, you know, I'm just saying um, and also in that vein, I wanted to point out uh, another list, um, which this list is, I don't know, going to touch home a little bit. But there are a whole lot of companies in this country that directly deal with the, the prison industrial complex. Um, uh, companies like McDonald's, they have a lot of their uniforms are made by prisoners, by cats that are locked up. Um, uh, uh, fruit of the Loom. You get your tidy whities. They might have been made by your cousin that was locked up upstate. Um, uh, 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 what is that? Um, the lingerie. What is the lingerie thing? Uh, Victoria's Secret. So even the ladies, when they're getting all cute and everything, you buy you know a ninety ninety dollar pair of uh, underwear. Some cat in the penitentiary got twenty five cents for making that. 
um, BP, Exxon Mobil, UPS, again, Walmart, Kmart, uh, Target, um, and actually the one, well, there's actually two. There are a lot of cats. There are a lot of uh, contracts as a company. Uh, uh, it's basically a, a government contractor company called Unicor that uh, contracts um, directly to prisons um, since about the 1930s. Um, and Unicor, uh, <laughs> one of their biggest uh, um, uh, clients is the U.S. military. So cats in the penitentiary are making uh, you know, belts and uniforms, weapons. In fact, the Patriot missiles. There were some um, <clears throat> some of the homing uh, uh, parts, parts that go into the homing parts of the uh, Patriot missile, were made by prisoners. And the one that I've come across that is the most epically ironic is you would never guess: handcuffs, utility belts and some of the other little tinker toys that the cops carry are actually made by cats in the penitentiary. So, again, being aware that these – I'm going to shop at Walmart tomorrow. I pretty much am in a situation where, you know, at this point right now, that's a part of my life. But knowing it, I'm able to trim back. I'm able to find alternatives. I'm able to begin to go in another direction. Uh, being aware of what it is I, I'm doing. And these are the types of things that we have to be aware of because that's also a part of, of, of cooperative economics is not cooperating with someone who is not benefiting you, someone who is directly benefiting, again, off of your pain and off of, of, of our uh, situation, the situation that they created. Uh, so I, I think that that topic was, was very much uh, on point for um, this particular discussion. Um, Brother Syke, I, I, I apologize if I stepped on your toes or anything, but, you know, I, I had a couple things out there. <laughs> no, you didn't step on my toes at all, brother. But I want to flip the script a little bit and, and go in a, a, a slightly different direction based on what the brother you just said because he talked about cooperative economics. And it becomes important for anybody with a revolutionary mindset to understand that every time they spend the dollar, they're voting. And he just said about not cooperating with those who are not for your benefit. So you start looking at the companies who, who donate money to, to the campaigns of people or politicians who are going to move against your best interest. You don't spend money with these people. You start looking at, at uh, companies that, that spend money in developing things that doesn't, that doesn't uh, benefit you or doesn't move in your best interest, and you, doesn't, you don't spend money with these people. And Brother E just gave you a list of the companies that invest highly in, in prison. Also, any true revolutionary thinker will consider themselves to be conscious of economic systems. And usually if you're dealing with a revolutionary, they'll usually say that they stray away from capitalism and move closer towards socialism, socialism. So let, I want to look at these two economic principles for a minute, because I truly think, and I think it was in the book, Destruction of Black Civilization by Chancellor Williams, where he made this point where he said going against capitalism, which is one white economic uh, philosophy, and going for socialism is just choosing another white economic philosophy when you don't, we you don't, and brother E, brother E got a look on his face like he wanna, like he got, <laughs> like he got something that he wanna express. But let me make, let me make this point before I let him get on the mic. Let me make this point. Essentially, uh, and I'm gonna give a little history and a quick, quick, quick background, right quick. Capitalism, for the most part, is uh, uh, attributed to being to being created or developed by Adam Smith when he wrote the book The Wealth of Nations, one of the biggest, longest, most boring books I ever read. But he explains the concept that people basically operate off their own self-interest. When a, when a company produces a product, it doesn't produce a product because you need the product or because it's just so cute or it wants to do something to change the world. The company produces the product because it has a chance to make itself profit. That's what motivates the company to, to produce that product. And essentially, that's one of the laws of supply. A company produces a product for people who have the money to spend for the product, and it always wants to produce a product and spend and you and uh, uh, sell that product for the greatest amount of money possible. And on the flip side of that is the law of demand. People always want to people always want to, for the most part, spend the least amount of money for the product that they want. 
So according to uh, Adam Smith, he said that the free market benefits the people because by allowing people to compete freely for the for the people's dollar, the companies will force themselves to produce the best product, and only the best will succeed in, in that in that competition. And then the other was was basically go out of business, which basically raises the tide of society, which is not always true. On the flip side of that, Paul Marx said that. In, in, in the so-called free market society, these big major companies will, will get filthy rich and the people will be working for basically crumbs and they will get tired of these crumbs and they will rebel against that type of society, take the means of production from from those who have produced these products, and then the people will create their own society where they're basically bordering and trading with each other. And, and these are the two flip sides of those two concepts. Now, if you remember the Cold War between America and Russia, and a lot of times you'll be hard-pressed to find somebody that know, knew what that whole Cold War was about, why America and Russia was in conflict with each other. America and Russia was in conflict with each other because America was saying, hey, we are the bastions of white supremacy. And the capital and the, uh, and the economic system that we want to put white supremacy through uh, uh, through to the world through is capitalism. We believe that's the best, that's the best form of uh, economic philosophy. Russia was saying, hey, we are the center of white supremacy. And the system that we want to use to to uh to express that white supremacy is communism. So that's what you had that's what you were dealing with. You had these two uh white philosophies and two white concepts that were saying that we have the, the proper and the right concept to utilize in order to uh in order to uh, 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 express express this white supremacy. Now, brother, he had something that he wanted to say. Cause when I started, started speaking on this, when I first started speaking on this, I saw a look go across his face. So let's see what brother he wanted to be what to build on on this. Well, you know, I, I I'm the one that like to pick a fight, right? Can you see them? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, I back up to um, trading. Uh, capitalism or trading capitalism for socialism, um, I agree insofar as the way that it's practiced. But even with that, the reality of it is there is no true capitalism, there is no true socialism. So the applications are not even pure enough to the theory to make that assertion completely. The idea, the idea of socialism is actually a, a collectivism. The idea of socialism is the people owning the 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 um, the, uh, the production, the, the means of production, not the state, which is what you see a lot of these applications when people say, "Oh, that's a socialist nation because the 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 the, the, uh, the government owns this or owns that." When in it's one of those. Uh, demonizing phrases that this uh, society, this mainstream, likes to use to 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 put down and to um, put in a box uh, other ideologies. So socialism, this socialist, the bad guy, the bad guy, it's uh, synonymous with uh, communism. They use it in the same way, um, but in the reality, socialism is much more of an African concept concept uh, than than capitalism. The basis of capitalism is is this greed. I want to do it bill for me for profit that if left unchecked will eat itself uh the, the most for me the most defining pr- uh, part of capitalism is the fact that capitalism has to constantly create a want in the people that are involved if everybody was fine with the car that they had right now and just drove and kept it running good and fixed it up and everything and never uh, went out to buy another a uh, new car the car industry would would go under quickly but it has to create a constant want. I want another. I want a one. I want. I want a want, so that it can constantly feed off itself. Which, uh, uh, you know, the logical ends to that is we live on, in a finite system. There are only so many people in the world. There's only so much you can capitalize off of. And eventually, it's going to eat itself. Whereas uh, a socialist, in the theory, is uh, the, the collective, the masses of the people make uh, the decision about what contracts are taken and what contracts are not. There are companies where um the the employees are are much more owners not owners the way they talk about it in this system you get three shares of this billion dollar company and you're one of the owners bull crap uh they're actually owners in 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 the way that it, things are conducted because uh contracts that the company takes are voted on by the masses by the the, the employees 
uh, the supervisors will actually come up and have their year review in which the employees, those that are supervised, uh, go in and, and do the review of the supervisor and determine whether or not that person stays in their position or if they're let go or whatnot. This is much more of a, a socialist uh, perspective. And so, uh, like I said, I can agree in the, the application, you know, trading capitalism for socialism in this world because the reality of it is you're just trading one form of greed for another form of greed because you've got the same greedy Too people indeed. in the seat of power. So you, you, until you switch that, until you change who it is controlling it, because you've got black, quote-unquote, black capitalists that, that do the same thing. You know, George's not looking out for the community. You know, Obama's not looking out for the community. There are several uh, black millionaires, billionaires, that are very wealthy people that are not doing uh, for, in fact, doing for the community would be the antithesis of them getting rich. You don't get rich by giving money away. You may invest it somewhere, but there's always, always, always a return that's in, expected. So that, that that's why I would, would want to draw that uh, that uh, that line there with you. Okay, let me let me jump back in there, and then I got a question I want to ask you. Just, so just in case I start talking too much and forget, remind me. So you said a question you wanted to ask me. So let's go back to the uh, <laughs> let's go back to the definitions of capitalism, socialism, and communism. Now we know that capitalism, okay. and I'm going to talk about it from the pure from the pure aspect. Well, pure capitalism has never been practiced anywhere on the planet. Just like pure communism has not been brought well, by European countries anywhere on the planet. So pure capitalism is basically this: uh, the means of production is owned by the individual. The individual is motivated by by uh, by uh, self-interest. Period. Point blank. And according to, to uh, Adam Smith, if you practice pure capitalism, then that would allow the most gifted, the most intelligent, and the most smartest people to rise in society. And those who basically didn't have any grit, any grind, any hustle, they would die off because they didn't have the ability to produce, according to Adam Smith. And then you would raise society and create the best society. Now, as I said earlier, Marx said that wouldn't happen, because by nature, people don't just die off. If they see you getting all the goods, then people will rob you. They will pick up arms, kill you, take the means of production. They're going to do whatever it takes to survive. So these were the two conflicts in these, in these two theories. Then John Maynard Keene said, hey, he was a capitalist under Adam Smith concept, but he said, hey, Karl Marx is right. So what you would have to do, and this became Keynes' theory of economics, what you would have to do is you would have to uh, uh, put some of those socialist concepts into capitalism in order, like, a, like a medicine, like, like Malcolm talked about, that Novocaine that puts you to sleep, you know what I'm saying, that, and allow you to suffer peacefully. You have to put some of those principles into the capitalist system in order to keep it functioning. Like you just said, it would eat, it, it would eat itself up. So, so things like welfare, bailouts, and things of this nature were placed into the capitalist system so that people would never get to the point where they could no longer take and accept their oppression anymore. So that's what, that's what we're dealing with, and that's why we have, doesn't, do not have a pure capitalist society. Now, on the flip side of that, Socially, according to Marx, socialism was the midway point between the transition from capitalism to communism. Communism, by definition, the means of production are owned by the people. Socialism, the means of production, are taken from the individual in capitalism and owned by the state until the wealth can be redistributed to the people to form this perfect communist society. Now, the question that you got to ask yourself and that you got to think about is this. Can there really truly be a communist society based on the nature of human beings, based on how people operate. Because a lot of times you'll see, and these principles were based off the nature of Europeans. These principles were based off that nature. But when we look at society today, you just said it yourself that you've never seen it because these, these greedy towns or these greedy people in, in power, these people never allowed to wealth to be redistributed back to the people. With, with the selfishness, the, the, uh, the self-interest, and the arrogance of a human being keep that from ever happening. Would you ever find that perfect bastion of of of, 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 of society practicing communism? And let me interject this: not to not to get religious, but just to use this from a philosophical point of view. Even in Scripture, in the Book of Acts, when the, when the disciples tried to organize their society, they tried to organize a socialist economy. They made everybody bring all their goods, sell everything, and bring it to them where they could redistribute the wealth. There was a dude and his wife that did not that did not do it. They tried to hide some of theirs. And this said, in Scripture it said that angels came to the door, knocked on the door, and they fell dead. Now, we know that nobody fell dead. 
you know, we understand that that's a metaphor. They went there and killed these people because they tried to they tried to steal from the people. They agreed to live in that type of economy, but at the same time, they decided to practice some capitalist ideas by hiding the finances. So the question is, do you think that human selfish nature would keep them from truly practicing a communist type society or government? Brother, yes, yes. I mean that that that's it. I don't. I don't. I don't perceive there being at any point in time. I mean, any idea, any religion, any philosophy, any political, any of that is only going to be pure on paper. It's only going to be pure in the conversation because you're going to interject the human experience, and that's going to change it. It's it's, it's quantum physics. You you have your theory, which is the energy. And then as soon as you look at it, you're interjecting yourself into the, the, the equation, and it solidifies into matter where you've changed it. So you take any philosophy off of paper and begin applying it, everybody's perspective is going to influence what it is they choose to do with it. And in, in so Indeed. doing, it's going to change it. What? Huh? Go ahead. I'm listening. I'm just, I'm just agreeing. Oh. I'm listening. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was saying now. Um, so yes, the 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 the, um, the the application of any of the ideologies or any of the isms or whatnot is is going to to absolutely change it. But that's a part of a proper panther of uh, ideology, um, which is truly truly more of a, a guerrilla essence. Is you don't lock yourself into an ism. You take what it is that benefits the people and you mold it to 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 benefit the people in in the best way possible because you know that it's going to change and it's got to change and it's got to constantly be able to change, which is the essence of being uh, a gorilla, um, and and that's the essence of uh, proper panther uh, ideology is that ability to flow between nationalism and pan-Africanism, flow between what works well from a socialist perspective, uh, what works well from a capital, because attempting to just go out and install uh, all of a sudden this um, socialist or uh, whatever ism you want to uh, uh, call it, uh, collectivism or whatnot right now today, would be catastrophic. So it would take baby steps, and there's going to be a need for capitalism being watered down along the way. But moving in that direction is what's necessary. Well, we, it, it's the, the whole idea of uh, uh, this perfect picture of, of um, uh, Yeshua, of, of Jesus, you know, you're never going to be perfect, but you got to try to get there. You know, when we finally realize that the practice is the perfection and that it's always going to be changing and it always has to uh, change itself to fit the people. The, 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 the ism is here for the people. The people are not here for the ism. So whatever is on paper is pure, but whenever we touch it, it becomes impure, but that's the way it's got to be. Otherwise, it'll just be on paper. Um, there's a, a caller or 404, uh, last four is 6457. Uh, if you want to uh, go ahead and chime in and be a part of the conversation, feel free. Yeah, what's up, y'all? Hey, what's going on, bro? Who, who's talking? Who's talking, bro? No, oh, this is Naj, man. What's going on? All right, welcome to the conversation, bro. What, what you got to piece in with us tonight? Ah, uh, man, I want to get on, get in on a lot of what y'all was talking about. Uh, first thing I, I guess would be to go into some of the Adam Smith stuff, uh, which comes out of school with John Locke, so that old school what they call uh, liberalism, that's classic liberalism, what they called it at the time. Y'all okay. probably gave him more of a fair reading than he deserves. Uh, Essentially, you got to understand this. When they were creating, going from mercantilism to what we call capitalism, they understood one thing. Uh, they were going from, away from monarchies towards what we call the state. So state, the state was what was going to determine everything, meaning markets, uh, weights and measures, uh, everything that makes up the capitalist system requires the state. So all of these people who tell you they're free market capitalists, but they hate the government, like, it's a contradiction already, you know, once they're talking, yeah. because to, to even have markets, you have to have government. You have to have somebody to adjudicate. Who's going to call balls and strikes and contract disputes? Who's going to decide, you know, what is public and what is private? 
you have to have that government entity. Then the other problem is uh, Adam Smith talked about the invisible hand, which would influence mm. uh, private money to invest in their own country. And then that's and that's where it all falls apart because you realize, okay, real quickly, uh, saying that that's going to happen has nothing to do with reality because these people will seek what? Profits outside of the nation, which essentially hurts the workers in the nation, hurts the wealth of the nation and everything else. And they're right. able to, uh, you know, acquire capital, become monopolies, and you get the vast inequality in every turn for capitalism. So capitalism is a flawed uh, disingenuously, uh, I guess, proposed system, and you're always going to end up with monopolies and government support for those monopolies and a propaganda machine to convince the populace that this is correct. So, like, I'm not disagreeing with what you guys are just saying. You were you were nicer to Adam Smith than he deserves. Like, and, you know what I mean? This is a, this is a <laughs> There's an old school guy a long time ago, basically the bourgeois of his day, trying to figure out a way to justify how do you keep the state but also determine, like, you want the state to protect your assets, but you don't want the state to be strong enough to take your assets. So that's the dilemma Mm -hmm. they've always lived with. As we've seen in 2008 uh, with the meltdown, what you saw there was what? When they kept talking about deficits and all that, well, deficits for what? Those are those people's assets. So when you talk about those government treasury bonds and things like that, these people basically who pay no taxes, they end up with huge swaths of government bonds that the government has to pay them out on. So they call it a a debt, but it's it's their asset. So that's the weird part of that. Now, when you guys got into the socialism area, well, there's one thing. Socialism was not invented by Karl Marx. Uh, there were socialist societies way before uh, Europeans, you know, set foot in the real civilized world of its, of its day. Hell, Ibn Khaldun of, of uh, Tunisia was talking about, uh, you know, the value of, of, of labor and the value of product way back in, like, the 13th century. Like, you'd have to check me on that because I'm definitely trying to remember it correctly. So you'd have to Google that one to make sure I'm – I'm getting the, the time right. But, you know, socialism is as old as this world is. Uh, society, right. Societies that were communal and lived in a different way. And that's where we run into the problem when we talk to people about this. And they say, well, people are naturally uh, going to do this or naturally, you know, do that. It's like, wait a minute. We're taking European history and tracing humanity around it and saying that at large humanity is default setting to be greedy and evil and all these other things where we're like, no, hmm. these are cultural uh, appropriations by one group, and we're tying that to humanity. And, and that, that becomes a problem, too, when we're having this discussion, because I, I reject hey, brother, the notion I, I don't, that I don't, humans I apologize. I don't mean to cut you evil. off, but oh, we, got like two, we got two minutes. And so let me just we, – we we're going to have to make sure we get you to come back on our next show. And so we got, we got your number, and, 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 and I'm going to reach out to you to make sure we can jump you in again because uh, you, you, you're sharing some vital information. But let me end, end the good, show. Man. Y'all, y'all talked about so much, so, so my bad, man, for okay. going so long. No, 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 not your bad, bro. You're good, okay? So I just want to say that the deal is is what we're, we're the way we're coming with this is just to address dealing with this from the standpoint of the weaponization of it. So it's not to say mm. that it was all bad, but it's the weaponization of it. So when you're dealing with that, everything – Expected from a blunt weapon of force is also expected from a solid economic weapon by its creator, but it's only yes. in the manual in the manner in which it functions. So we're going to go ahead and end it with this: it shoots situations instead of bullets. It propels data processing instead of explosive chemical reactions. Originated from bits of data instead of grains of gunpowder. From computer instead of a gun. Operated by a computer program instead of a marksman. Under the orders of banking instead of military. It makes no obvious explosive noises, causing no obvious physical or mental injuries, and is an illusion, uh, does not obviously interfere with anyone's daily social life, but is actually the removal of choice, which is started from birth. So the idea that we're projecting and what we want our people to understand, based on dealing with this from the standpoint of the mirror's eye, which is the empirical standpoint of contradictions and perceptions 
by saying that, the idea is to expose our people to the weaponization of how society utilizes different things, whether it be from physical, mental, or spiritual factors. In doing so, as we are able to co-adapt and address these principles of weaponization, then we will have the ability to work toward true concepts of of freeing ourselves from the controlled and dominant factors that create these weapons in the first place. And that is in in the manner in which we want our population and our people to understand where we're coming from. So with that being said, all power to the people, black power, Freedom of death, let's move forward. Or who rules?